Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me for the 2023-24 NHL Pacific Division Preview. Uh, Justin, we have made it through half the league and we uh, we officially crossed the threshold of 50% uh, as soon as we get to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, but before we do that, Justin, hi. Hi, Mark. And uh, give me your thoughts on just the Pacific Division in general. Um, I think, you know what, this used to be a division that I looked at with a lot of weak teams, but I think now, uh, especially going into this year, they're going to be a division of me that's kind of on the rise and going to have, um, I think going to be a lot stronger than their opposite, you know, division in the central, which used to be such a powerhouse. I think we're, we're kind of starting to see a little shift in the, the power dynamic a little bit. So that's exciting for me. Yeah. It seemed like last year, this division, I mean, it, it was kind of like, Walking into the season, I remember both of us saying, it's going to be Vegas, it's going to be Edmonton at the top. We were correct. Uh, And then, you know, you're going to probably, the Kings are going to follow somewhere in there. We thought it'd be the Flames, not the Kraken, uh, but it ended up being the Kraken. They had a great uh, second year in their franchise's history. Uh, The Calgary Flames fell a little bit short. I believe they were, what, two points out of a playoff spot. So they didn't really miss it by much. I mean, that's uh, to say that Calgary would have been, you know, probably a wild card team, they were ba- like they were right there. Um, had they won an extra game, I think they would have been the wild card team, or, or I guess they would have had to um, have three more points because they the regulation overtime wins thing. Winnipeg had a ton of regulation overtime wins. They actually had forty five, which is as many as the Avalanche last year. Ooh. Believe it or not, uh, <laughs> just a, a weird note. Um, but uh, yeah, this this division kind of shook out, and uh, over the course of the off season, especially, I think this division has become maybe the most interesting and potential. Like, there's there's a potential that dare I say, maybe five teams could finish in the top two. I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility that that could happen, which which I would say that 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 is not necessarily the case. Like Central Division, we're going Colorado, Dallas all day. It's not like I don't see any of those other teams jumping ahead of them, barring some big catastrophe from uh, an injury standpoint. In the Metro, we kind of have a good idea as to who the top three teams are going to be in that division. Uh, the, The Atlantic, I think we're pretty sure. Uh, who the the head honchos in there are, but I I know Vegas just won the cup. I know Edmonton's really good, but I mean the Kings were only five points off of the Oilers last year, and I don't think it's unfair to say that the Kings got better over the off season. I don't think that it's unfair to say that the Flames got better over the off season, and that the the Kraken are likely going to build on what they had because of the young players that are going to come in. Vancouver probably is not going to be as bad as they were. Uh, so those are, I mean, those are six teams. Uh, I, I think there are five teams that could have a full turnaround and could finish in the top two in this division. Uh, what do you think? I, I don't know about maybe top two, but I could see if you, maybe you said top three, right? Like the top three is not guaranteed for, for Vegas, Edmonton and LA, right? There's other teams that could easily squeak in there. You, you mentioned Seattle and Calgary, right? I mean, again, those, those teams finished in the top five and, you know, again, we'll we'll wait and, you know, a little I don't want to spoil it too, too soon for for the listeners. But, um, yeah, those those top five teams maybe uh, might be finishing towards the top again and could potentially be in the top three discussion easily. Yeah, I, I just look at the division, the Pacific Division two years ago in 21, 22, when the Vegas Golden Knights missed the playoffs. We know they had plenty of injury uh, problems, but. I don't know that it's a guarantee that the Vegas Golden Knights win this division or even finish in the top two of this division. It's not to say that they're not a a really good team, but does anybody love their goaltending through a full 82-game season? Because I I don't know that I love their goaltending, and Logan Thompson wants to get out of there. Um, So this is a – it's going to be an interesting – kind of season for the Golden Knights, you know, be defending the Stanley Cup, they're absolutely going to make the playoffs, probably, maybe. Are they a lock? You don't want me to say that about any team if they're your team that is a lock. <laughs> uh I, I mean, the the Edmonton Oilers look like they're going to be real good, but 
I I don't know that there's any team that is, in my mind, guaranteed to make the playoffs outside of the Edmonton Oilers in this division. Because who's to say, what, like, why did the Golden Knights miss the playoffs in 21-22? This is a question I'm asking you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought this was a rhetorical question. <laughs> no, no, I'm, a, I'm Well, asking. injuries, of course. Yes. Okay, yeah. so injuries. And do they have the largely the same players that all got injured that year on their team last year and coming into this year? Almost, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. And when I consider that and I go, well, a lot of these guys are now two years older. Um, Mark Stone, the way that he plays, he is uh, he's not getting any younger. You know, now he's 31 and seemingly has a, I mean, I don't know that I trust this whole, oh, no, no, he, he's totally fine now. I, maybe he is. I hope that he is. But I I just look at this team and I go, I mean, Petrangelo is 33. Martinez is 36. Uh, and then you're going to rely on Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson all year and maybe not Logan Thompson. Cause apparently he wants out. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to make the play- miss the playoffs, but is there a world where they miss them? Sure. Because they did it two years ago. And I, I think that there's no reason that, uh, that some of these other teams can't push. Uh, those these higher seeds, but anyways, okay, sorry. So we we kind of got off on a tangent. Uh, let's go to the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks, they're not even a team anymore. Let's go to the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> I refuse to not, not to not not call them the Mighty Ducks. Right? That, they should I mean, just go back to that. Yes. Yeah. Bring back Charlie. Bring back Adam. Adam uh, Banks. You know. And let's uh, let's make them the new mascots. Cake eater. Cake eater. Yes. <laughs> The, the what was it the Bash Brothers oh yeah, yeah. the Bash Brothers I gotta go back oh. and watch those movies uh, I can't wait till uh, my daughter's old enough to watch those and actually like them dude I, I go back and watch them and the goaltending flops are just <laughs> the most ridiculous things I've ever it makes me wonder like how did Goldberg even get a second game with this team as bad as he was flopping around out there I don't understand it dude Goldberg man Julie so the good. cat was just so dominant. She yep. could have gone pro. Yep. So good. And Manone Rayom. That's who that was. Yep. All right. Let's go to the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, they, they finished last in this division last year. 58 points. They closed out the season losing 13 games in a row in regulation and in overtime and shootout. Uh, a, quite a terrible ending to the year. Didn't even reach 60 points. One of the worst regular seasons. Uh I believe in uh, like it post salary cap era, uh, quite bad, and uh, they come into this year looking much the same, other than a lot of their younger players are a year older, and maybe some draft picks make this team like Leo Carlson, who was taken uh, third overall, second overall, second, second, yeah. As soon as I said it, I knew it sounded weird and wrong. Uh, what what do you think of this Ducks team? Oh well, uh, new head coach, right? I mean, that's that's going to be the biggest difference in my opinion, and it's who wants to stay around for a rebuild, right? I mean, right now this this team's kind of going through, uh, obviously trying to get new contracts for Trevor Zegris, Jamie Drysdale. Apparently, Zegris and the team have agreed on a three year contract, but beyond that, I haven't heard a wink about Drysdale and. And you have to imagine with, you know, Jake Sanderson's new contract, <laughs> you know, that eight years, $8 million that he signed and, uh, you know, essentially putting up the same production and, and amount of games played as Drysdale. He's got to be licking his chops at this one. But, well, but Drysdale is on the, uh, he's the 10.2 uh, type, sure. of, type of RFA. So he literally, he can't be offer sheeted nothing. Like, I mean, he's basically at the mercy of if this team no wants leverage. him to sign. Yeah, I mean, yes, no leverage. I mean, it. I think the the best thing, you know, if you're willing to bet on yourself is just take that one-year deal, walk into next year, have another great year like you did two years ago, and all will be solved. You will get paid a ton of money. Uh, now, maybe some of this comes down to him going, boy, I don't know that I won't get another injury like that, and then I don't get paid anything. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for 
a few million dollars for a few years and just try to get some stability, which I can't blame him for the stability either. But I think he, if he bet on himself, I think he could get a deal like Jake Sanderson did in Ottawa, but he needs to have another decent year this year. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think for a rebuilding team, right, you're, you're a little hesitant to hand out large contracts because they could potentially burn you down the road. Talk uh, to Troy Terry about that one, though. Oh, well, I mean, I like Troy Terry's contract. I Talk think. to Alex Kalorn, who will be paid $6.25 million when he's 38 years old by this Ducks team. Yeah, that that's another one where I think they just kind of were like, you know what, we need some veteran guys in here. We need to get up to the cap floor. So we're going to overpay one, one and a half million bucks to a guy like Alex Kalorn and maybe give him, give him a year more than what he really deserves. But, um, you know, again, in three or four years, I think that's probably right around the time frame where this Ducks team will be ready to compete again. Um, at least you hope right about the time Trevor Zegers is 24, 25, uh, in, you know, three years, they're ready to, to really go. Full, uh, Leo Carlson is, is 20, 21. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and by that point with the cap going up the way we think it all will probably go up, you know, and, and Mason McTavish owed a new contract. I think, I think it won't look too bad, but, um, you know, for right now though, just looking at it, I'm like, Ooh, okay, that's, but again, I, I just think a salary cap floor, right? And uh, this team does have 16 million cap space, and trying to get Zegers and Drysdale signed still. But um, this will be this will be an interesting group. I mean, really, you can't get any worse than what they were last year, right? They were last in goals for. They were second, um, you know, worst in goals against. They were uh, second worst in penalty kill, second worst in power play. So, I mean. Uh, unless you go worse than every single one of those categories, it's kind of hard to get even worse than you were last year. And I imagine with a bet, you know, what I'm assuming is a better head coach, a more defensive minded coach coming from the Islanders system. Uh, they should, they should play a little bit more of a cohesive game. Yeah. Let's hope so. Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> I, the thing I don't, this is what I don't like about this team is that there is a strange mix of talented veterans and young players and it's almost like someone out there is going, could these guys, like, can these guys put a, put this all together and, and be a much better team than what we saw last year? Uh, because, I mean, you look at, I mean, Troy, hey, Troy Terry, he deserved that contract. Uh, he's making $7 bucks. Good on him. Uh, Alex Kalorn has obviously had a really nice career in Tampa Bay. He comes over here. Like, what? But why? Why go sign a guy like Alex Kalorn and not give Trevor Zegers the money that he is going to get? Like, he's a star because of what he can do. I mean, he may not be a an absolute, you know, number one uh, top player in the league kind of thing. I mean, 65 points last year, 23 goals. I, I think with better players around him, he's probably an 80-point guy. He's a point-per-game guy. So he's going to get his $8 million, $9 million a year. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's who you should have paid that you should have taken care of him first, him and Drysdale built for the future. It just seems like they're going to be stuck in, they're stuck in the middle, but they're also bad. Like I think take last year and kind of throw it out and, and look at how they were coming in the fall, the year before 76 points. You know, they, they were young. They had, a, like, Drysdale's coming off his rookie year. Zegers is coming off his rookie year. And you're going, hey, this Ducks team is probably going to get better next year. From 76 points, you know, maybe you're hoping for an extra four or five wins up into the mid-80s. And, and then maybe competing for a playoff spot this year or next year. And instead, this team is just has a strange, like, overpayments. Like, Radko Gudis, three years at $4 million a year. Uh, there's just a lot of weird the, the the makeup of this team doesn't make sense because it's like they're trying to rebuild and at the same time they're they're trying to be good but they're not i, I don't like the makeup of the team right now and i it'll, i'll be curious to see how the three centers of Carlson McTavish and Zegers uh, kind of like can play out here. I know Strom is also a center. You can throw him on the wing. I, I, I all these guys can also play the wing. I'm curious to see how that can pan out because those three centers, Carlson, McTavish, and Zegers, long term, mean that looks great. You're you're in a great place having those three guys down the middle, uh, and you can build around that easily, especially with Troy Terry the way that he's been playing. I, I just the rest of the makeup of the team just doesn't seem to make sense. It's like either rebuild. 
and be bad or try to be try to be good and retain your guys like start paying these guys what they deserve and let's move forward and it just seems like uh their their GM Pat Verbeek is he I know he's playing hardball but it just doesn't seem like the time to play hardball right now no well that's the biggest we know what he's gonna get yeah and and you mentioned it in there right they don't really i mean you're not trying to do full rebuild you're you're trying to be good when you should be doing something else and so for me my biggest concern is the team does not have an identity right that's it that's it the the chicago blackhawks right we know they're going to rebuild they went terrible yeah (laughs) kirby doc went i mean uh, they they traded everybody away right and for a team like you know, Anaheim that needs a, a scorched earth rebuild, they're still holding on to Cam Fowler. They didn't even, I mean, maybe they tried to make attempts to trade him and, and John Gibson, but those went nowhere. They should be trading um, to Troy Terry. Yeah, like, he should have went. I mean, you know, yes, you could keep Zegris and McTavish. They never hit the eject button fully. Right. And, I guess and I so, guess in their in their defense, they, they were still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this year you hope maybe with guys like Adam Henrique, Silverberg on expiring contracts, right? Um, you've also got, you know, a couple other defensemen, Robert Hag, Colin White, that are on expiring deals. You hope that maybe at the deadline they finally see the writing on the wall and say, you know what, we need to just, we need to hit that eject button. We need to start dumping pieces. Uh, guys got to go. We got to get contracts off the book. Yeah, well, the uh, time to trade Silverberg was about five years ago. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think that it's, there. I think it's about time that we take a, a cold, honest look at, Jakob Silverberg's career and say he just isn't that good of a player. He's fine. He's a third line player and he, he he really has not had the kind of production that anyone hoped that he would have and he is lar- like from his, what he was touted to be to what he actually has been uh, I would say is a gross overestimation of his talents. He realistically he should have been probably a three and a half million dollar player. And he just, he never found it. And I don't expect him to find it now at 32 years old. Uh, now maybe going to another team can reignite something. He might be able to put up 20 goals again, but I mean, he had 10 goals last year. He's had 15 goals in the last 134 games. I, I mean, he, he's not a good player. I don't know that after this contract that he's going to be all that valued anywhere. Like I, I would, I would give him another maybe one to two years left in the league. Period. I, I just don't think that he's anybody I'd want on my team. No, I mean maybe a fourth line guy to chip in some offense, that kind of thing. Yeah, but, five, but even at two point six million dollars, or even at one point three million dollars, if you traded that asset again i don't want to even trade a fifth round pick to have somebody take half the half yeah or the quarter of the salary i just i just, I, <laughs> I think he's i'm i hope he proves me wrong but i i think he's he's a pretty useless player um for moving the needle and he just doesn't score anymore either so i think the league is just way has become way too fast and he was always a slower um had that great shot and that kind of just went by the wayside because he couldn't keep up. But Henrique, on the other hand, is somebody who could fetch a decent amount at the deadline if, yeah. he's, if he's willing to move. I guess he only has a 10-team no-trade list. Yeah, I, this is a guy who's still going to put up 20 goals. He can still skate. He can still take draws. So he does everything you want. Now, I think he's obviously ideally suited on a team's third line, but you, know, you sure. could have... You could have teams that get a little desperate, like Boston. Maybe they're, um, you know, hurting for center depth, and you know, need somebody to come in. And Charlie Coyle maybe isn't working out. I mean, uh, hey, Adam thir- had re- thirty-eight points in sixty-two games. I mean, he's he's still like a fifty-fifty-five point guy if he's healthy. Yeah, and and I think teams will be willing to pay, you know, second, third round picks for guys like him uh, come the deadline. So he'll still bring he'll bring a good return for Anaheim. Yeah. All right, uh, Anaheim. L- let's give some general thoughts like is this team going to be better are they going to move up in this division when all is said and done well i i mean i think they'll be better they'll be better structured um but will they move up in terms of the standings i'm going to go with no okay yeah i i think uh there is 
it's it's likely they finish in the bottom three of this division. I think there maybe is a little bit of a jostling going on. I don't think they're going to finish with 58 points. I think there should be a return to where they were at two years ago, right around that eh, 78 to 80 points, I think is probably where I have them sitting. Okay, you're a little higher on them than I. Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose a little, a little <laughs> higher. Like, I see them maybe more, like if... Yeah, 80 points. Like a little bit worse than what Vancouver was last year. That's still pretty bad. <laughs> That's still pretty bad. Um, okay, let's let's move on to the San Jose Sharks. Um, and before we do, I'm just going to get this out of the way. I think that the San Jose Sharks are, um, for my money, probably the, the, the most strangely constructed team in the NHL right now. So... I'll I'll explain why as we dive into this, but I, I just want to get that out there. I think it's this is a this is some weird weird construction here. Um, let's start with the goaltending. How, what are you feeling about the goaltending here for San Jose? Oh uh, well, I mean San Jose. To be quite honest, they're they know they have to rebuild, right? And I think with Mike Greer coming in uh, last year, I think he knows what the task is in front of him. And I think so far he's executing that well. The problem is, is prior to him, this team, you know, with with Wilson in there, uh, they were holding on for far too long. And now they put San Jose in such a bind, you know, financially that I think it's going to take years to recover from this. I I, I don't see any other way around it. It's kind of reminds me of the Red Wings when they when they had some like big albatross contracts and they just could not get past them. And they were just constantly wrecking them for for years and stopping them from being really bad. That that reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, back when Abdelkader and Darren Helm were signed to those long-term deals. Yeah, Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Um, The difference is they gave, you know, uh, they were giving middling players long-term deals. But now, you know, with with Ken Holland there, but now with with Wilson, he gave the top-end guys long-term deals. And some of those top-end guys just – Fell off very, very quickly. <laughs> Can you believe that Logan Couture is 34 years old? Yeah, that is kind of hard to believe. I mean, I, I still like Logan Couture. I still like Tomas Hurdle. I think they're still quality guys, but they're not worth the $8 bucks they're paying them. And so that's I, the I would say that Logan Couture is probably being paid the right amount right now. Maybe not, maybe not in four years in that last year of his contract when he's 38 years old. I mean, he's still a, almost a 70-point guy. That, that's, that's worth $8 bucks. At, okay. at a center position, a guy that can score almost thirty goals, I'd say that that's he. He's about where he would slot if he were to sign on the on the open market right now. I think. Yeah, um, but you know, getting back, to, <laughs> I guess your original question, right? What do we think of the goaltending here? Um, personally, I think the Sharks are just kind of grasping at um, low risk pieces that could potentially have high return, right? So I look at Mackenzie Blackwood, a guy who a few years ago was potentially looked at as okay he could he could be a number one one b goaltender for the devils and then kind of quickly fell off the last two seasons uh as far as you know his potential was concerned and maybe that's his fault maybe that was you know a team kind of on the rebound uh you know in in new jersey and they just catapulted last year of course we we all know what happened with that but um you know i think maybe if he can come in turn things around a little bit i think maybe mike greer's just looking for you know one somebody who can be you know provide some stability in that but then to also provide a decent return when the contract nears the end and he can you know cash in a little bit i think okay uh is this team worse or better than uh what was it the uh the buffalo sabers the year that they finished last in the league was that 2015-16 no 15, 16. Did, oh what, boy. what year did they take uh, Jack Eichel? Was that 20, Oh, that was 16, 17? Yes. No, no, it was not. No. Oh, God, why can't I remember? Or was that the year before? What year is Connor McDavid drafted? He's drafted in 2015, uh, right? Yeah, this was 17, 18. 2015. Yeah, it was 2015. The, 20, the 14, 15 season. Here are the goaltenders for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Jonas Enroth, Michael Newverth, Anders Lindback, Andre Makarov, and Matt Hackett. Uh, oh, Hackett. Oh. Mo- mostly it was uh, Enroth played 37 games, Newverth played 27, and then Lindback played 16 games. 
and I think the goal that year was that the Sabres goaltending would be so bad that they would lose. And I think that they ended up trading Anders Lindback. If I remember this right, let's see if I do remember it right. Uh, nope, they didn't trade him. They just didn't play him anymore. Uh, but they, they, their goaltending was better than they thought, but their goaltending was also atrocious. Uh, especially compared to league average, they, uh, oh yes, yes. Buffalo traded Jonas Enroth that year because he was playing too well. So they dealt him <laughs> so that they could keep being bad and they ended up finishing with 54 points that year. So um, this this goaltending duo kind of reminds me of that, where you're looking at it and you're like, are you guys trying to be bad? Like, <laughs> And if one of these guys <laughs> takes off, are you going to trade them? Because yeah, they can always bring up uh, anyone in the minor. You know, you can bring up guys in the minors. Uh, but it seems like to me, yeah, you need to have a couple guys that are reasonable uh, through the beginning of the regular season, and then they can always flip Kakinen, uh, get get a, a nice pick for him at the deadline for a team that needs a, a backup goaltender down the stretch, give their goalie a little bit of a rest, and uh, then they can continue being bad in through the deadline. I mean, I know they have a lot of really good players signed uh, long-term, but they also have a lot of guys that are going to be leaving probably during the season and Kevin LeBanc, Mike Hoffman, Anthony Duclair, uh, Alexander Barbanov, Oscar Lindbaum, uh, Redeem Simic. Like they've got a lot of UFAs here and I would expect that most of those guys will be gone at the deadline. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think this team is purposefully trying to finish dead last, but um, I think, no? you know, like you don't I think don't, so. No, I don't think so. But I also think, because whenever you have guys like Logan Couture and, and Tomas Hurdle, I, I think you're still going to be a little competitive. Um, yeah, it's almost like the, they want to be bad, but they still have Taves and Kane there. Right. Like that. It's but, that kind of vibe, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. There's still some I, legacy players left over. Yeah, but the difference is I think at some point, you know, come January, February, you're going to see these guys like Duclair Hoffman, uh, you know, go get traded. You know, I think they'll they'll probably have decent starts to the season. They'll probably hover around that 7-6 spot in this division maybe to start the year. But I think ultimately once these guys go, that's when the tank will be on um, officially. I think maybe they're banking on that last 25 you know, games of the regular season to maybe go like 5-15-5 or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to you know, quietly tank at the end of the year. So um, that's, that's where, where I think this team is probably headed because uh, they're going to get good returns. I think guys like Duclair getting extra minutes – um, you know, he's probably going to put up a, a 30 spot for goals and, um, you know, fetch them probably a, a decent return, maybe even a first round pick if they get find a team desperate enough for some goal scoring. So, um, you know, and then, of course, they've got guys like Philip Sedina who who could be reclamation projects uh, to come in. Zetterlin, again, another guy who's, you know, looking to kind of rewrite his ship a little bit and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm still worth, you know, the, the first round pick that Detroit spent on me. Right. So we'll see what happens there. Um but, I mean, ultimately, again, you know, the defense is horrible. They're still getting around it. Uh, Vlasic's going to be your number one guy for Mario Ferrero. Maybe coming in here is going to be, you know, your number one guy. But that's that's pretty much it. And if you got to rely on those guys to play 20 to 25 minutes a night at least, it's it's not going to work out good. Yeah. it's. Uh, I, I mean, Sharks are they're going to be bad. We know it. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Can William Eklund stay with them the whole year? Uh, or will he end up in the AHL? You know, is it? I mean, he's twenty years old now, drafted two years ago. Um, I don't think that Will Smith gets a sniff at all. Would be my guess. Uh, their twenty twenty three draft pick at fourth overall. He'll, you know, he'll he'll play some preseason games. I don't think that he makes it to the the uh, regular season because there's just no reason to, <laughs> to have him make the regular season. Uh, you don't want to destroy someone's. Uh, confidence. He can go back and he can play for the U.S. development team. Or uh, oh no, I guess he can go to college, right? Yeah, Boston College. So he'll go play at Boston College. Uh, but yeah, this team's going to be pretty bad. And I think that that's the general consensus, right? Like this division is the the bottom two teams in this division are going to be Anaheim and San Jose, and they're just both good. They're they're both in a rebuild, and pretty much every other team in this division is building towards a cup. And I think that's what makes this division so competitive is that you've got a lot of teams that they don't want to be at the bottom at all. 
and it would be an absolute disaster for them to be at the bottom. Whereas I think the Central probably has like four teams that if they're last place, eh, it sucks, but like it is what it is. And in the Metro, there's definitely a few teams where it's like, well, you're probably going to finish towards the bottom and it is what it is. And same in the same in the Atlantic, although the Atlantic's probably a little bit more like other than Montreal, whoever finishes near the bottom with them, it's going to be a big disappointment. Uh, so that's, but it's what makes the Pacific fun is that there's a lot of teams that are trying to be very competitive. Well, whether they will be competitive or not is a, another story. Uh, are, are we good with the Sharks? We feel like we got a good feel for them. Yeah, I, I think they're they're going to be you know holding off the Ducks for that last spot, but I think. Okay. Ultimately, San Jose will finish seventh, maybe by a point or two. Not much. Okay. Yeah, I, I have them finishing below them. I think that pieces will be ejected um, more quickly. So I think there might be a chance. There might be a chance that Logan Couture gets dealt this year. I would like to see that for him. I, I think he's I still think got something a chance. left. I, I mean, the teams that could take on a guy like Logan Couture midseason without any salary retention, which uh, I don't know that you can, I don't know that you're dealing Logan Couture without some salary retention. Uh, but the teams that could take him on, I guess would really be like the Buffalo Sabres. Well, I mean, let me, let me just throw something out there to you like this, right? So maybe you don't, you don't retain half of his salary, but you retain a couple million sure. bucks. Sure. Like a Phil right? Castle kind of deal where it was like, what, uh, like 1.9 million or something, or like basically 2 million bucks. Yeah, and and say Charlie Coyle is not working out as a top six center for Boston. You flip those two guys, and maybe you throw a first round pick and a prospect back San Jose's way, and now you've got yourself a legitimate top hey. six center again. Hey, not a bad plan. Not a bad yeah. plan at all. I like it. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that San Jose could say, "Well, we're not going to retain any salary, but we will take salary back." Where you know the, the they could take maybe two players that. Uh, that you don't want anymore. And um, like you said, Charlie Coyle, which Charlie Coyle though, I don't know that you want to ditch him at this point. He's still decently productive, but uh, sure. But just again, scenarios like that, right. You could see playing out and and San Jose is going to have 18 million plus dollars in cap space at the deadline. So uh, they're going to take on a few bad contracts at some point this season. It's hard to believe that, that Boston only has $429,000 in cap space. (laughs) How is that possible when they they don't have Bergeron or Krejci and they really didn't go out and sign anyone other than like Lucic for a million, Van Riemsdyk for a million, you know, they and Morgan Geeky for a couple million bucks, but like they didn't really go out and make any big splashes. Uh, I know what this is, Pasternak is extension kicking in, but it just is funny that they have absolutely no salary cap four and a half million dollars in bonus overages yep that'll get you that's i mean that's a decent player right there exactly okay uh let's go on to the vancouver canucks who finished third to last in this division last year 38 and 37 and 7 uh they were they they kind of made a run for it there at the end a little bit they made it kind of exciting like in February, March, they were kind of winning some games. But uh, other than that, I think you would describe last season as a mitigated disaster. Mitigated disaster. I like that term. Yes. It's uh, it's not bad. I mean, JT Miller signing that big ass deal and then coming out into that year with just, he just looked not the same player. It's funny because he ended up with 82 points, same amount of goals. Um, but he just didn't seem like the same player. Uh, not that he's not worth the deal. I think he'll be better this year. I I, I think that everyone was better once Rick Tockett got there. So it's almost like we can just kind of ignore the Bruce Boudreaux thing. All that stuff was madness and, uh, and probably a lesson in bad management. Rick Tockett comes in there, and I think everyone kind of took a, a breath of fresh air and moved forward. Because I, I like, I think it's fair to just go. Let's just forget about the Bruce Boudreaux portion of that year. Let's look at what Rick Tockett was able to do when he came in there, and if Rick Tockett had continued with that point streak that he had while he was there, uh, I think Vancouver would have been in a playoff spot or very close to one. So it'll be 
interesting to see what he can do and like how those changes actually play out throughout a whole year, a whole training camp, all that. Did I lose you? Nope. Nope. Yeah, oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, all Sorry, right. you cut out there for a minute. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Okay. Okay. Um, Elias Pedersen. He's in the final year of his, his deal. That takes him to an arbitration year, RFA. You know, he, next year is a, uh, he's a UFA. What do you, what are your thoughts here on this? Like, especially Elias Pedersen, he's the star on the, the front end, but like, wh- what do you think about this core group of Vancouver Canucks players? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you have to look at it right before, before this, this season was over, they, they got rid of Bo Horvat. They got rid of Tyler Toffoli. So they're losing a lot up front. And so now they're going to have to rely on a guy like Elias Pettersson, uh so much more, um, you know, than than before, right? And and coming in this offseason, right? That was that was the talk, you know, getting a deal done for Pettersson. What it, what is it going to cost? And I think now this guy has a lot more leverage. Whereas, well, yeah, after know, a hundred and two point season, yeah, you've got a lot of leverage, right? Yeah, you've got that leverage too. But you know, I just I looked at it. I'm like, okay, so this is this guy's first season where he can where he legitimately put up over a point per game. And yes, he did it in such a big fashion over a hundred points. Um, you know, but you have a guy like JT Miller who basically put up, you know, I mean, mm. some, some really good numbers too. Um, you know, at point per game, he put up 99 last year. So pretty close. And he, he, his deal, you know, that 99 point season got him an $8 million contract. Um, so yeah. Now, but also at, at 29 years old, whereas Pedersen will be 25 you know that that the deal is going to be considerably bigger too because the absolutely, absolutely, and so that's that's the question mark, right? I don't know what to make of his contract because do you take a short term deal, bank on yourself in two years, and then you know just cash in for just stupid money, right? Or do you take you know a lot of a lot of writers and you know hockey guys are saying that he's going to probably come in somewhere around eleven million bucks, and um, you know I don't know if I would pay that, but again going back to his leverage, right? When you eject. Bo Horvat and Tyler Toffoli. Now the the focus is purely on him to produce for this team, um, and you know having Pedersen, you know, and JT Miller um, is going to be a nice one-two combo to have. You know, I still don't know what they're going to do with Brock Besser in the the short term. You know, I think obviously he's going to start the season with them, but does he finish the year with them? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he was supposed to be traded nine years ago when he was fifteen years right. old. So and I feel like every year we're talking about him getting moved, right? So. Um, you know, at what point, you know, do they, you know, just decide, Hey, you know what, this is going to be a guy we're going to keep around for a while. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but I, I think ultimately Pedersen's going to get paid, you know, 10 plus million dollars on an eight year contract. I think that's, what's going to end up happening. This guy's going to cash in and he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be a quality player for this team. I have no doubts. He's I mean, he's a up. superstar. He had 102 points Yeah, I, <laughs> and the yeah, things I, that he can do with the puck. He's also incredibly entertaining. He absolutely is. And I mean, he's, he's a guy that you want to build a team around for sure. Um, but is this a team that is going to be, a, you know, is a playoff contending team right now? I don't know. I think, you know, adding Philip Peronick on the back end was a very smart move. That's going to add a lot of offense back there, which they were sorely lacking outside of Quinn Hughes. So that'll be, that'll be a plus. They bought out OEL. And um, really the biggest question mark for me is not necessarily, can this Ford group get it done? Is this defense going to be good enough now? It's really a stature Demko going to rebound because, um, you know what they went out, they got a, a decent backup now in Casey to Smith. I like him as a, you know, a number two guy who can play 30 games for you, but Demko has got to be better if this team wants any shot at making the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. If, uh, if Demko has a, a good year, they're probably right in the mix. Uh, if he has an average year, uh, they, they probably still are in the mix, but yeah, if he has a year like he did last year, it's, it's a no bueno. Um, but I tend to lean on the fact that uh, I just don't know that their defense is good enough. And I think that that's what really hurt Demko anyways. Um, I do like bringing in Carson Soucy, uh, Philip Ronick. You know, they, they tried to patch up the defense a little bit. I'm just not sure that it was enough. I I don't know that either Soucy or Ronick are really more than like number fours. And uh, I mean, they're anything's better than OEL, but uh, I I just wonder if it's more or less patchwork. That's kind of how this team has been for the last, since the Sedins left. Uh, And even before that, it's kind of just been a lot of patchwork. Uh, You know, like 
Yeah, you got you got Brock Besser and Pedersen. You traded for Miller, and it's and and you drafted Hughes and Demko, and it's like the rest of the group's kind of just been like, well, who can we get? <laughs> and there, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's been this intention to to build out the rest the rest of the roster very well, and uh, and it, it's why I think this team. Well, they're they're entertaining. They'll definitely win some games. Rick Tockett is a very good coach. Guys love playing for him. I think this year they have a better year than last year, at least a more consistent year. I also think they'll be better at home, uh, but I can't see this Canucks team eclipsing ninety points. I just don't know if if they have it in them. You know, an extra few wins here and there, uh, maybe get forty wins on the season, but to get ninety, to, to like to see this team getting what ninety six points to make the playoffs, I don't know that I see it. Uh, especially when you you show me the rest of the teams in this division, I just I'm not sure that there's a team in here that they can really jump. Other than maybe maybe the Flames if they really falter, but do we see them jumping the Kings or the Oilers or the Knights or the Kraken? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think so, but I guess I mean sure anything can happen. Demko can have a crazy year, and they can just go off. And Rick Tock can win Coach of the Year, and they can win. But I think realistically, this team is still somewhere in the probably around the five or six spot in the in the division. I don't know that they're going to move a whole lot because frankly, they didn't do a whole lot over the off season other than bring back the same team that has seemed to struggle. Yeah, they can score yeah. goals. Like they, they can, you know, they've got offense in their top six, but that's about it. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? I, I think you, to me, the the four group didn't get any better when you lose, you know, two big guys into Foley and and Bo Horvat. But I do think the defense did improve a bit, and I, I think the goaltending is going to be a little bit better. It won't be great, but it won't be terrible either. So I, I think it's serviceable for sure. And you know, again, when when you look at the teams in front of them that we're going to talk about, I just don't think they did enough and added enough depth at the forward group and on the back end to really just say, you know what, they're they're going to jump Calgary, they're going to jump, you know, these these Seattle Kraken that are on the rise right now. I, I just I don't see it, and so to me, they're just they're stuck in sixth place with nowhere to go. Okay, well, let's move on to the Calgary Flames then, since you mentioned them. Uh, the Flames were probably the maybe the most disappointing team of the 2022-23 year in terms of expectations and how that actually lived out. I'm trying to think like what other team that missed the playoffs were such a, supposed to be such a lock from the year before. I, I know that, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington, it was a disappointing year. But I think we've been saying for a long time, like, is this the year that this team kind of nosedives a little bit? And like, they, they missed the playoffs and it happened to happen for both of them. But I think Calgary, I mean, 93 points, they did only miss the playoffs by two points. But I think after the seemingly great off off season that they had after having to lose Kachuk and having to lose, uh, yeah, well, Matthew, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, the players that they brought in, it seemed like they'd be able to figure it out after, especially after a 111 point season the year before, uh, I'd say they were the most disappointing team. And now coming into this year, the expectations have to be still very high, make the playoffs and go on a run. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, and the good news for Calgary, right, is today they, they managed to sign their captain, Michael Backlund, to a two-year extension at four and a half mil. Um, so he's going to be hanging around, which is a, a big positive for them. Um, but, I, you know, I, I can't imagine that, you know, that Hubidu and and Kadri are going to be as bad as they were last year, right? They bring in new coaching now. Um, you know, I just again, I, I can't imagine it being that bad. And, and Jacob Marks for me is a better goaltender than what he was last year. I just think maybe this this team just kind of hit a slump. They just weren't vibing with with Suter last year, and they really just kind of mentally gave in and just gave up. So um, I think there'll be a little bit of new life, a little bit of new blood in here, and um, as long as they can, you know get some of these defensemen signed to some extensions here. Um, I, I think, you know, Calgary should be okay this year and in the next few for sure. Yep. And uh, after news came out that Noah Hannafin wanted to be traded, that he would, well, that not that he wanted to be traded, but that he wouldn't sign a new deal. Um, that has apparently changed. He is willing to sign a deal 
Um, you know, sometimes these guys, you just got to take the summer <laughs> and you go, right. eh, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, and then of course, Elias Lindholm, uh, that needs a new deal as well. I mean, there is a chance that they trade both those players and that this team looks drastically different than it does right here. And if those two guys are dealt, then, uh, I don't, then probably means the Calgary flames missed the playoffs. But, uh, I, I think this team is probably geared up and ready to go and, is likely to be one of the, they're probably the most likely playoff spoiler. Like they're going to make the playoffs. Someone else will miss. And, uh, that's to me out of any other team in any other division that missed the playoffs, they're probably the most likely to make a comeback and get into the playoffs again. Yeah. I, I don't think I disagree with you. I, I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier in our central, uh, division show, um, I think, you know, the Pacific is poised to have five teams, whereas the Central's probably only going to have three. And Well, that would do I, it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, so so no one in the Pacific needs to miss the playoffs that made it, but the, uh, yeah, you, you think that could be five. Yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. Yeah, I, I think Calgary's poised to, you know, definitely have an improvement. I, I don't think, like I said, Huberto and, and Kadri can have as bad as years, and same with, with Markstrom. And I think with, with a new head coach in here, I think this team's going to be a little bit more, you know, excited, a little bit more jump in their game. And, and I ultimately, I think Glenn Holmes going to get a deal done here. I think, you know, again, he's just, he's one of those heart and soul type of guys. I think he does everything so well that this team's just, they're ultimately going to pay him. You know, I, I think he'll probably come in around eight, eight and a half million bucks, similar to uh, a Horvat you know, style. The, yeah. Larkin a Horvat kind of deal. Larkin deal. And he's absolutely worth every penny for this team. Now, whether or not he gets paid until he's 36 and an eight year contract, I don't know. Um, but, you know, again, you know, at years, you know, 34 through 36, maybe it doesn't look that bad with the cap going up. So you can bite the bullet on that one. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And even if he gets nine, um, I think he's still worth it. Um, now, I, I know Michael Backlund just signed his deal. I, that's important to me just because there has been so much turmoil and turnover with some of these te- this team's top players. Uh, when you look at their defense, though, like, let's not even consider the contracts. I mean, their top six is still probably... There's few teams in the league that boast a deeper top six than the Calgary Flames. And they, they're they solid all the way around. I think that they're in a good position to be able to, you know, kind of turn things around from, from last year. And I think with a coach who is more focused on moving the puck forward and keeping things moving north south and like actually giving guys a little bit of creativity and freedom though. Uh, I think that that will open up the points again for some of these guys like Hannafin and Weger to have better years. No, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think their top four is just as good as almost anybody's in the league. Uh, when you look at the names, Weger, Hannafin, Anderson, and, and Tenev, I think these guys are, are going to be a great group of defensemen to have back there. Right. And so hopefully they can get a deal done with, with at least Hannafin and get him locked in long-term because I really like this guy. I like what he brings night in and night out. He's he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife to me. He does everything very, very well. Um, he's not elite when it comes to any one particular skill, but he's a great number two, number three defenseman to have on your team. Yep, yep, 100%. I also like the addition of uh, Jaeger Sharangovich. Uh, all last year for the Devils, he was, you mentioned Swiss Army knife. He was kind of that Swiss Army knife for the Devils last year. Uh, had a nice... Well, I guess what would be his second full season in the year or in the, in the, uh, the league third, sorry, third, uh, 30 points. He, w- he did have some nagging injuries. I know he played 75 games, but he was playing through some injuries and, uh, didn't have a great playoff, but I think for the flames, I can see him returning to, to 20 goals again. What he was at two years ago. Uh, I, I think a nice pickup, he'll, he'll kind of get a refresh and he'll move higher up in the lineup. I think with the devils, he was kind of, uh, he wasn't able to find his way into the top six at all. And I think there's a chance given the, the, the line formation that he finds his way into, uh, some more offensive situations, which will help his game. Cause I think he can score 20 goals in this league again. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, the one big thing, speaking of young players and, and guys who I think are going to have just, you know, breakout seasons, right. I, I'm really looking at Dustin Wolf, um, I mean, he's basically done everything he could possibly do in the AHL. He's he's won MVPs, uh, best goaltender. I mean, you name it. He he's he's got it. So uh, this is a guy who I think is going to unseat uh, you know Vladar as that backup. I think he's going to come in and push Markstrom 
Um, you know, if you, I mean, as much as Buffalo has been touting that, you know, Levi is going to be their future, I think Wolf is going to be even better, in my opinion. Okay. And so uh, I'm excited to see this guy come up. And, you know, again, we, we, we can talk about all, all we want about adding pieces like Sharon Govich and other, you know, guys on this, this front end here. But to me, Dustin Wolf is going to be a game changer in the next couple of years for this. Yeah, well, and if he's able to come in and be a backup goalie for Markstrom and, and make it so that Markstrom only has to play 45 games this year, I think that could be huge for the Flames once they, assuming they get into the playoffs, uh, that that could be big for that moment as well. Um, Dan Vladar, I think at 2.2 million, uh, there's probably some teams that would snag him on waivers if you put him on waivers. So I think, you know, you can either bury him and uh, essentially have the contracts kind of even their way out once uh, Wolf comes up or, you know, maybe somebody just grabs him off of waivers, which would be uh, also your ideal situation because that would that would also free up uh, after bringing up Wolf. I mean, it's going to free up almost $1.5 million under the cap, which was uh, important since they are under the cap right or they're over the cap right now. <laughs> so uh, They'll have to figure that out as well. Um, all right. Uh, where do you think the Calgary Flames finish? Uh, when yeah, all is said I... and done? I honestly think they're going to probably finish fourth in this division. I think maybe Seattle doesn't necessarily take a step back, but I, I think Calgary's just going to be a little bit better and better improved this season. Um, like I like I mentioned, those names, you know, Kadri, Huberdeau, Markstrom. I think all these guys are going to be improved, and and ultimately they're going to more than well make up for that that seven point difference you saw in the standings between the Kraken and Flames. And so they'll they'll hop them, um, and they'll they'll compete for you know again that that third playoff spot in this division but i think ultimately they'll they'll find themselves in fourth place okay yeah i've got them uh finishing either third or fourth i think you know they could jump the kings as well and um things may not look exactly the same in terms of the standing order i think probably the same teams will make the playoffs other than the flames getting in um maybe the kraken miss uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll, we'll get to that on our on our next show when we preview the second half of the Pacific Division. But uh, the Flames are definitely in the mix. I think that they're they're going to improve upon last year for sure. Uh, the only thing that could undo that is if they go, we have to trade Lindholm and we have to trade Hannafin, and it's they just have to trade them out of necessity, not because of how they're playing. I don't think you can keep. Either one of those guys, if they're not going to sign, I don't think you can go, oh, they'll just be our rental for the year. No. you got to go get something for them. And I I think that you have to try and move forward without them and, and not you know not push that envelope with them. So um, that would be my only exception. But Agreed. All right. Well, that is the end of our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and uh, tune into the next one where we preview the second half of the Pacific Division. And until then, we will talk to you later.